So I've been sitting here wondering, is 2022 going to go by as fast as 2021? Can you believe we're already in February? Uh, January's gone. We're approaching the spring. It'll be Easter before you know it. Then school will be out. Then summer break. And then the fall will come. And man, life just continues to kind of um, accelerate. The older we get, it just seems like the years fly by. And uh well, that's just the way things are, and we can't do anything to control time, but we have to live within this thing called time, and we are called to make the most of the time that we have. Redeeming the time, the Apostle Paul said, redeem the time, because the days that you're living in are evil. And so we are forces of light as followers of Jesus. We are people of love and grace and mercy, but today I want to talk to you about reminding us that we're not only people of love and grace and mercy, compassion, forgiveness, but we're people of truth. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I released those two podcasts on the coming delusion. And especially in the first part, I made repeated mention that the mark of the coming of the end of the age is going to be a wholesale abandonment of reason and truth. And of course, the ultimate truth, the foundation for all truth The plumb line for truth is the revelation of God in his written word. That is truth. Do you remember, I think it was John 18, Pilate, uh, standing before a beaten and bloody Jesus, asks him, what is truth? And it's just a complete picture of the spiritual blindness of man because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who said, I am the way, the truth and the life is standing before Pilate and Pilate saying, what is true? You know, that's the hunger of the human heart. What can we believe in? What, what can we throw down anchors in? What can we know that is unshaking, unshifting, unchanging? What really is true? And I remember before coming to Jesus um, and having experienced a lot of discouragement and wounding from placing my truth in things that weren't worthy placing my confidence in things that weren't worthy of it because they weren't true. I remember when I found God's word to be true, um, everything shifted for me. And so ever since then, I've been a a crusader for, for truth and biblical truth. In my early years of ministry, pastoring a fundamentalist Baptist church, which, I mean, I'm not being critical. I'm just being truthful. Um, that, that church was part of a movement, the fundamentalist Baptist movement that was just rooted in traditionalism and legalism. And I remember when I became pastor, the assignment from the Lord was lead these people out of dead, empty, unbiblical traditionalism and expose, confront and eradicate legalism. That was my assignment. It took years but I did it. And so I was teaching people constantly, we've got to go by the truth of God's word and we have to abandon legalism. Many years later, um, I would transition, which technically it was the same church, but, uh, different people at that time, because it was many years later transitioned from a church that had become academic and forensic and clinical primarily. It had become more like a seminary than a thriving body of of Jesus followers. I had to transition them from the truth of orthodoxy only, and I had to transition them into spirit. Do you remember what Jesus said? I know you do, but let me just remind us what Jesus said about all people who are 
um, people of faith towards the God of the Bible. He said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Those two components ought to guide you. Um, I am now uh, part of that group of Christians in the Big C Church that are commonly referred to as charismatic. So we're people of the Holy Spirit. And so now I find myself when I open my Bible and I primarily am teaching to uh, charismatic audiences or at least people that are open to the Holy Spirit, I have to remind them truth is primary. Truth is essential. Truth is foundational. I'm talking about biblical truth. I'm talking about the written word of God, your actual Bible, the scriptures. But I have to remind, um, you know, whereas I used to have to remind the the fundamentalist Baptist that I was leading that we need the spirit. Now I find myself reminding charismatics that, yeah, we have the Holy spirit and we have prophecy. We have the gifts of the spirit and we have Rhema word. But my deepening concern is that so many charismatics are moving from moment to moment, place to place, getting their, their Holy spirit hits. And I don't mean that irreverently to Holy spirit. I mean, it is a bit of a critique towards, um, mindless charismania that we are, you know, really good at falling out in the spirit. We're really good at talking in tongues. We're really good at releasing presumably prophetic words, but can I be honest? We're a little anemic in knowing what the actual word of God says. And so part of my assignment, maybe for the rest of my days is to continue to bridge people to become what Christians were in the first century, people of spirit and truth. Uh, the, the authority of apostolic doctrine, which is by application, the word of God, the written word of God, we have to believe in the authority of scripture and we have to believe in the necessity of the Holy spirit. And so, whereas in many podcasts on Maverick and Misfits, uh, Mavericks and Misfits, I, I talk about the Holy spirit today. I just want to, I just want to remind us that we're, we're people of truth. And if Jesus said, that we must worship in spirit and truth, then we cannot afford to maximize one of those elements over the other. We have to go hard after both. Spirit, to a lot of people, is more fun. Spirit feels spontaneous. Spirit feels um, like a surge. Spirit feels um, dynamic and unrestrained and unconfined. And a lot of people that love the spirit mistakenly believe um, that truth is somehow in opposition to all that. (laughs) And what they fail to remember is that Jesus Christ himself called Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. He did it twice. Actually he did it in John 14 and he did it in John 16. Jesus Christ called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit isn't aggravated by Bible truth. He actually authored it. It's his book and he is, called the spirit of truth because one of his functions is to lead Christians into all truth. And so truth is not an option. Biblical truth, scriptural teaching, preaching, meditating, memorizing, and sharing and understanding is not in counter distinction to the spontaneous supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in a place in life where you're choosing one above the other, I love you. I'm just going to tell you to repent. You just need to repent. If all you do is curl up in the ball and study the Greek and the Hebrew and parse the scriptures and read, 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 and you have no thirst or hunger for God, the spirit, you need to repent. 
if if you're also a person who just wants to go from conference to conference and meeting to meeting and Holy Spirit encounter to Holy Spirit encounter and your Bible is gathering dust or you only read like Isaiah and Revelation and Song of Solomon, <laughs> you need to repent. You need to repent. We have to ingest the entire word of God and it's a lifelong calling. And so when we're thinking about this aspect, one of the things I want to tell you is, you know, Jesus in his earthly ministry emphasized truth a lot. I've already told you what he said in John four about we must worship in spirit and in truth. So just a very practical question is to all of you, how are you worshiping God in truth? Now you have to be able to know that you, you actually have to be able to give an objective answer to that question. You can't assume and I'm going to tell you, if, if it's not connected to the written word, then you are doing something other than worshiping God in truth. Um, and you can't go on the vapors of the truth you learned a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, or in Bible school or seminary. And prophecy doesn't re- replace biblical truth. It doesn't. And so as a matter of fact, I don't trust a prophet that doesn't love his or her Bible. <laughs> I don't want to hear from them. Because it is the deep intake of scripture that actually frames up accuracy and prophecy. Because it is the written word that teaches you the actual voice of God. And there when you hear the rhema word, when you hear the Holy Spirit giving you the right now word, um, it's always going to have the same accent as the God, uh, God's voice in the scriptures. And so we've got to be able to be people of truth. And then I want you to remember something. It's so important to Jesus that we be people of truth, that he, when he prayed, the longest prayer he ever is ever recorded in the Bible is recorded in John 17. The longest prayer of Jesus is recorded in John 17. It's all about God's glory, and it's all about the unity of the, the people of God. And Jesus like just went hard for what is a full chapter in our New Testament, John 17, went hard in prayer to the Father. And there's so much to learn from studying that prayer that he prayed. But this is one of the most important things he said in John 17, 17. Jesus asked the Father to set apart all of his followers in truth. And then he declared right there in that same verse that God's word was the full and final truth. So when Jesus says, Father, sanctify them in your truth, in the truth, And then he declares, your word is truth. Immediately, I recognize, oh my goodness, Jesus Christ prayed for me and all of his followers in John 17. And he prayed to the Father that we would be set apart in truth. Set apart from error, set apart from deception, set apart from the world, set apart from lesser loyalties, set apart unto God consecrated, committed, sanctified, set apart. And Jesus said, Father, do it through your truth. And so your mind really does lead your life. What you think, you will very rarely rise above what you think. And you only think about things that have entered your mind. I know that's kind of redundant, but whatever goes into your mind shapes your thoughts. And whatever enters most into your mind mostly shapes your thoughts. And so we feed our minds with the truth that Jesus prayed would set us apart. And if we are Bible allergic and prophecy addicted, then we are in, I would say, a very vulnerable place because if you are Bible allergic If you aren't disciplined enough to pick up your Bible daily, regularly, study it, believe it, 
don't just read it. I appreciate the reading through the Bible in the year. I'm not against that. But a lot of people read the words on the pages and they make it through the year and they declare themselves a victorious Christian, but they don't digest what they've read. And so this truth issue is so important. And if you'll go back and listen to the podcast just a few weeks ago, I think maybe two weeks ago, um, the, the element at the end of the age that slays lots of Christianized religious people who aren't actually converted, they're church attenders, they're givers, they may serve, they enjoy fellowship in the sense of being around the people of God. They like to attach themselves to the activities of Christian religion. But because they didn't love the truth, you'll go back and listen to those podcasts, you'll find out because they did not love the truth, they didn't love it. It's not that they weren't aware of it. They did not love it. They didn't ground themselves in it. They didn't welcome the father to set them apart in it. They fall to the deception of the antichrist at the end of the age. And they believe the strong delusion that God sends to those who did not love the truth. So truth is not some incidental matter. Like I'm just going to be transparent here. As a Christian man myself, as a husband, as a father, as a Christian leader, as one who has been given the great privilege of being uh, the operations officer of Caneo School of Ministry in Dawsonville, Georgia, I know in this last stage of my life that probably the bulk of my calling is going to be to hold up the banner of truth in front of people and exhort people until the day I die that you must return to the word of God. You must believe the word of God. You must know the word of God. You are the steward of your own edification. You are responsible for your own feeding of your soul with the word of God. It, your, your pastors and leaders and teachers and all of that stuff, they are there to help, but they are not there to put it in you. They are there to prepare and to serve and to teach with great prayer, great anointing, great biblical um, discernment, understanding the scriptures. But it is on you, you, the listener. It's on you to decide, am I going to be a man or a woman of truth? And I'm just telling you, man, you really, really got to make up your mind about this. And you've got to start with the discipline of reading the scriptures. And it will, I promise you, if you will begin with the discipline of seeking God in the scriptures, it will become the delight. You will find layers of understanding with God that you never knew before. And I just say this, I, I pursue prophecy. I obey the injunction in 1 Corinthians 12 to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I love prophetic ministry. I love words of knowledge. I love words of wisdom. I love tongues. I love the interpretation of tongues. I love prophecy. And because I so regard the prophetic gifting and prophetic ministry, I dive into my Bible because it is only according to the plumb line of the word of God that I will know how to give prophetic words that are consistent with the nature of God, the heart of God, the word of God. And I will also know when somebody gives me a prophetic word, if I'm in the Bible, I'll know whether that word is true or not because I'll know the voice of God. And so when we're thinking about these things and if it's important to Jesus and he says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and that God is a spirit or God is spirit and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. And if Jesus has prayed to the father and said, set apart all of my followers in truth, your word is true. Then we can't be negligent about this aspect of the written word of God and the truth. You know, the old Testament prophets 
were like intense about truth. One of the things you can do is like m most of you have a Bible app that has a search function. Search the word truth in the Bible and read all of the verses. Just read it. You're going to be stunned because you go back in the Old Testament. What was happening then is happening now. Like I would say probably um, to, to an elevated degree, it's happening now. Isaiah said this, the prophet Isaiah, he said this in Isaiah 59, in verses 14 and 15. Justice is turned backwards. Righteousness stands far away. <laughs> Does that not sound like us? Justice is turned backwards. Righteousness stands far away. Why? Truth, it says, for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, Isaiah says, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Just very quickly, justice has turned back. Welcome to 2022. Righteousness stands far away. Welcome to 2022. Truth has stumbled in the public squares. Oh my goodness. If that's not a beautiful description, truth has stumbled in the public squares. Look in the culture. Find me some truth. Politics, no truth. Science, especially when it comes to COVID, they can't agree. There's no truth there. Philosophy, no truth. Education, no truth. Every man is a law. Every woman is a law to themselves. We have the phrase, my truth, your truth, their truth, is truth. It's, it's nonsense. And what the prophet Isaiah was saying thousands of years ago, he's saying truth has stumbled in the public squares. And I'm saying, hey, Isaiah, if you can hear me, I want to tell you it's happening right here in America too. And the result of it, uprightness cannot enter. That's in your Bible. That's what I'm saying. If you'll read the scriptures, you'll actually see not simply biblical history, but you'll see components, kingdom truths that are timeless and they're hitting us right now. So what was going on in Isaiah is he's prophesying about justice being turned back, righteousness being distant, truth stumbling in the public squares, uprightness not being able to get in. And then he just says in verse 15 of Isaiah 59, truth is lacking. Truth is lacking. So we have a problem. Jeremiah, who, you know, had one of the roughest ministries um, in all of the Old Testament. Dude was obedient. Dude struggled. Um, Jeremiah was rejected. Best I can tell, he never had a single person repent at his word. He never had a convert. Can you imagine that? Faithful and true, preaching at a dire, urgent time. And Jeremiah being faithful and true, and all he got was constant rejection. To the point where at one point he wanted to quit and he said, well, I want to quit, but I can't because this calling on my life and this truth of the word, truth of God's prophetic revelation to me is, is like fire in my bones and I can't quit. But this is what he wrote, Jeremiah in chapter five. If you just open up the first three verses of Jeremiah five, he, he gives this exhortation and there's a slight bit of, of not sarcasm, but he's got, it's got an edge to it. He says, run to and, throw, to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth. He says, and he's speaking on behalf of God. He says, Jeremiah, go. God says, Jeremiah, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search the entire public square. See if you can find a man who does justice and seeks truth that I may pardon him. And then it says, though they say as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. And then Jeremiah asked this question in Jeremiah 5.3. He says, O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? Isn't that amazing? So the inspired word of God, Jeremiah 5.3, 
is this question. Oh God, do your eyes not look for truth? Can I unpack that a little bit, make some application? It's like God is saying through Jeremiah, I am searching through the streets and the cities and the byways of those who call themselves my people. I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for somebody who, because they're grounded in truth, is walking justly. I go through the city square. I'm looking for somebody who not only invokes my name, that was verse two, as the Lord lives, they say. And yet Jeremiah says, yeah, they've got the right verbiage, but they swear falsely. In other words, they know the lingo, but they're not living by the truth that is supposed to be in those words. And so he says, God, don't your eyes, aren't your eyes looking for truth? So let me just ask you a kind of a probing question. If your commitment to truth, personally, your commitment to biblical truth was the template by which everybody else in the church operated, how big of a deal would truth be? That is not an accusation. It is a, it is a diagnostic if your commitment personally to truth at this place in your life was the ceiling, if it was the standard in the church and everybody lived by your standard of commitment to the truth, would God be satisfied saying that that person and the church following them is exactly what I'm looking for when it comes to a commitment to biblical truth? tough questions. Um, I have to ask myself that, you know, I feel like I'm pretty committed to biblical truth, but man, am I, am I going so hard after it that I could look to anybody and say, do what I'm doing, live as I'm living, believe as I'm believing, commit as I'm committing, standardize everything and test it by the word of God, just like I'm doing. Could I say that? I don't know. I need to answer that question too, but, uh, I'll answer it for me. You answer it for you. Jeremiah goes on to say a couple of chapters later, and I feel like this is a prophetic word maybe for our generation. It's a written word, but I feel like it can be applied prophetically to the United States of America or wherever you might be listening. But in Jeremiah 7, 28, this is, this is what God said. This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. Oh my goodness. I have to read it again. Jeremiah 7, 28, this is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. Guys, uh, man, do you feel the, the rumble in your spirit with that? That's us, man. I know it was Jeremiah talking to ancient Israel, but it's, it's, uh, it's us. It's exactly what can be said over us right now. You know, we, we can't even come to agreement that babies in the womb should not be killed. Truth has perished. We can't even come to agreement that God created human beings, male and or female. Let me just say it this way, male or female. God established that. God created human beings, male or female. We don't believe that anymore as a culture. And it's being propagated to advance um, different alternative beliefs about gender. Truth has perished. 
And then it comes to things in the church where people are wondering, was Jesus virgin born? Did Jesus actually die? Did Jesus actually rise again? Is Jesus divine? Is Jesus human? Will Jesus come again? And so in all of these things, people are questioning whether or not it is any longer true. Why? Because truth is perished. People think it's okay to engage in moral or sexual ways that clearly in Scripture, that for generations, Scripture was the standard, telling us how we should interact sexually as a husband and a wife and anything beyond sexual activity between a husband and wife is sin. And now we have this amazing thought, well, let's rethink that. Let's retool that because we're more advanced. We're more sophisticated. And after all, a lot of that stuff was written by the apostle Paul and he lived in a different time and we can love God and be loved by God and be part of the God's um, chosen people and be Christians. And we don't have to listen to a single thing that the Bible says about biblical sexuality. Truth has perished. Truth has perished. And guess what? It's not the culture's fault. It's the church's fault. Hear me on that. It is because the church acquiesced. It is because the church compromised. It is because the church wanted to be loved by the world. So we stopped talking about the hard things. So people would come to our buildings and attend our services and give their money. And we wanted them to come back the next Sunday. So we quit talking about the hard stuff because we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Because after all, love must be expressed in a way that you make me feel good about me. And if you're not making me feel good about me, I'm going to declare you don't love me. Matter of fact, you hate me if you disagree with me. You're a hater. And truth is perished. And the church let it happen. And if it's ever going to be regained in the culture, it first has to be regained in the church. And this is, look, I'm just one voice, man. I am, I'm a blip. I'm a vapor. I'm going to be gone. But if I can leave any influence, I want to speak to the coming generation. I'm going to say this. You guys have to contend for the truth. I'm not an old man yet, but I am not a young man anymore. And you guys have to contend for the truth, especially those of you that already have the gifts and the power and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. I commend you in that. I thank God that you didn't let your Christianity turn into an academic mastering of a book and call yourself a disciple, but you pressed in because you need to know the God of the word and you need him moving and living inside of you. I commend you in that, but I must challenge you in this. Charismatic Christians have abandoned the Bible. They don't know why they believe what they believe. And the more that they get addicted to the next hit in some supernatural wild encounter at a conference, at a church service, at the cool charismatic place, the more they get addicted to that, the, the more they neglect their Bible. That's not every charismatic Christian, but it's happening. I've seen it. I've watched it to the point where these encounters are questionable as if to whether or not they are even biblical. And so I'm asking, I'm, I'm basically pleading. I'm saying, can we not be people both of the Holy Spirit and of the Bible? And for those of you that are in your 40s and 30s and 20s and teens, I beg of you, open the book and let the same Holy Spirit that supernaturally surges you in a church service, let him instruct you in your home with your Bible open. He likes his book and he'll impart it to you. And I'm just going to call it for what it is. If, if your reflexes say, that's just a religious spirit, that's just a, you know, some dude who's hiding behind a doctrinal castle and it's just religion and stuff. I'm just going to call you out. You are immature. 
You're not as spiritual as you think. Uh, you may have gifts and anointings, but I'm going to make you a promise. If you don't get grounded in the word, you'll fall off the wagon. You'll depart from the trail. Now, I appreciate it. Y'all are saying, don't word curse me like that. No, I'm not word cursing you at all. I'm telling you that if you don't walk in the truth of the word of God, eventually deception will find you. Because your prophetic discernment apart from the word of God is not strong enough to keep you from the deception that's coming. It's not. And if you are not anchored in the word of God and feeding on the written word of God and becoming a person who worships God in truth, then you will be seduced. And so don't be that person. You don't have to be. I'm not word cursing you. What I'm saying is I'm warning you. Don't be that person. And so, you know, my challenge is pretty clear. I don't have to explain what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm, I'm calling us to go in deeper, man. Go harder after the word of God. Turn off Netflix in the name of Jesus and open your Bible. You say, I don't like to read. Okay. I'm not even going to argue with you about that. Then listen to your Bible on audio over and over again. You may have to turn off Maverick City for a minute. <laughs> I love them, by the way. But you may have to turn them off and actually listen to 45 minutes in the Word of God on your Bible app. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm just saying, guys, we got to wake up. Somebody's got to start saying some stuff like this. Just to, And again, I'm not the only one doing it. There's, there's plenty of people. But we need to listen to those voices. And in my role, you know, I just, I want to mimic what John said. Do you remember what John said in third John, the little epistle, third John verse number four, chapter one, verse four, third John. This is the great apostle John who had seen the resurrected Jesus, who wrote the book of the revelation, who had, you know, massive mind blowing supernatural encounters that dwarf anything you and I have ever said. And you know what he said? He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's, that's stunning. John, the one who laid his head on the breast of Jesus, the one that worked signs and wonders, miracles, healings, the one who wrote um, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation, the one who suffered intensely for his faith, the one who was caught up to the third heaven and saw things that he wasn't even permitted to write because they were so breathtakingly stunning about the end of the age. John said, yeah, that's awesome, but nothing thrills my soul than to know that the ones I poured into are walking in truth. That's what he said. So if the one who had more supernatural Holy Spirit encounter, third heaven stuff, caught up, who saw by way of revelation the end of the age, who had fell down at the feet of the resurrected son of God when he saw him in all of his glory in Revelation 1. And John said, yeah, my greatest joy is to know that my followers are people of truth. So that's a lot to chew on today, and I hope that you will chew on it. I'm going to say this as I end the broadcast or the podcast. Um, if you're interested in growing in biblical truth, I'm going to make a personal invitation for you to consider enrolling at the Caneo School of Ministry. Um, late last fall, I started dialoguing with pastors Todd and Karen Smith of uh, Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, where the North Georgia revival has been taking place for four years now, just hit the four-year mark. 
with healing signs, wonders, the waters of baptism have produced in some very strange, unprecedented way that only God fully understands. Um, miracles, documented miracles, healings, deliverances. I mean, it's an amazing thing. I'm up there every Sunday night. And they invited me to help lead their school. And so that's what I'm doing at the Caneo School of Ministry. And some of you, this is your season. You need to enroll. Listen, we have structured that you can get a biblical education. And it's, I think at this time, I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. It's the third largest enrollment of any Christian ministry school in the state of Georgia. And a lot of it's online and it's in multiple states. But you can take the first and second year classes completely on demand online if you live in other places. So I'm going to direct you to the website. It's Kineo. It's an interesting word. K-I-N-E-O. Kineo M-T-C. Ministry Training Center. So let me say it again. Kineo M-T-C.com. Go to KaneoMTC.com. Consider enrolling. You can afford it. It'll further your biblical education. I'll be teaching there the third and fourth year students in the fall. I substitute teach now, but I'm leading the school, administrating, strategizing for maximum growth because we are convinced, myself and the president of the school, Karen Smith, we are convinced that especially among those who know the Holy Spirit, there is an anemic approach to the written word of God. And we sense that as we approach the end of the age, All Christians must know their Bible, and those that don't know their Bible are highly susceptible to the coming deception and the strong delusion. So this is no light matter, and I want to encourage you, pursue truth. It was important to Jesus. It was important to the Old Testament prophets. It was important to the New Testament apostles, and it's going to be more and more important as we approach the end of the age. As deception grows in an antichrist culture, we must be grounded in the truth, and nobody's responsible for getting you grounded in the truth more so than yourself. Lots to think about today. I hope that I've challenged you and uh, we thank you for tuning in. Tune back next Tuesday for a brand new episode. We'll see you. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges, which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.